Welcome to the Enneagram Journey. I'm Suzanne Stabile, and my guest today is my hero in the podcast world, Luke Norsworthy. Oh, stop it. You are too kind. Of Newsworthy with Norsworthy. So the first podcast I ever did, Luke, you came to my house Mm -hmm. from Austin. Yes, ma'am. And um, we sat, and I knew nothing. I had never done a podcast I didn't start listening to podcasts until you called and asked me if I'd be on yours. Um, I had no idea how much I would like it and how much it would be possible for me to share what I believe in and learn from podcasts. Well, I think I think the student has become the master because you know exactly what you're doing now and you're you're an expert. And that conversation, we had a lot of fun. Like we had there was an entourage. Joe was there. Uh, Heather Hodges was there. Right. I feel like there's someone else there too. The Holy Spirit probably, but um, it was great. And I've I've loved your work. I'm ex- so excited that you've got a new podcast because I really believe in what you're doing. So good luck. Thank you. I'm excited about it too. Um, this podcast kind of has to do with talking about the Enneagram after we already know our number. Okay. And so you're a seven. On the Enneagram. Oh, wait, let me say all the good stuff about you. The best part of you is Lindsay. Okay. Yes. So there's your beautiful wife, Lindsay, and your three mm-hmm. beautiful daughters. You're surrounded yes. by women, aren't you? Uh, yes, very, very much so. I'm definitely outnumbered, and uh, I love it, though. I love having girls. It's the best thing in the world, and yeah, it's great. Once I was at, I was at Disney in May. I know. I was just fixing to talk about that myself. Oh, really? Yeah, because uh, y'all went to Disney from our time at Pepperdine. We were all at Pepperdine teaching and speaking. And our friend, Josh Graves, who has three Mm -hmm. little boys, (laughs) and his wife and you and Lindsay went Mm -hmm. from there to Disney World land. Land? World? Yeah, whatever. I don't know. Disney. Disney something. And there, there you were with your three girls, and there he was with his three boys, and that yeah. those pictures were so fun. Yeah. Did you see that we were wearing matching, uh, dum- matching Dumbo shirts? Yes, I did. I don't know if you heard the story, but Josh and I were paired up to get on like the little teacup ride together, and um, and you want to know which uh, former podcast guest friend of ours, who's an Enneagram Seven, just happened to be there, and he walked by and he goes, "Hey, Luke." It was Rob Bell. You're kidding. No, he goes, hey, hey, Luke. And I was like, hey, 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 hey Rob. He goes, are you here with your family? I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're, 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 they're up there. I'm not, it's not just me and Josh. So <laughs> that's hilarious. That was awesome. That was yeah. awesome. And and Josh Graves in typical three fashion, by the time we got off the ride, had put on a jacket over his shirt mm-hmm. to look a little bit more. Yes. Very successful. image conscious, but not yes. you. I'm here for the party. That's right. The Enneagram journey, you know, we're we're kind of just starting the podcast. You are the first guest. So honored. And um, that w- that was real important to me. Partially because you introduced me to this world, partially because I kind of wanted a seven mm-hmm. to be my first guest so that we would know that for the whole journey, however long it lasts, we're not going to take ourselves too seriously. <laughs> um And Mm -hmm. partly because I think you can learn the Enneagram from an upbeat perspective. Mm -hmm. I don't think the news has to be bad news. I don't think we have to look at ourselves harshly. 
I think we can kind of be upbeat. So I thought we might start with um, permission to ask each other three questions. Oh, okay. Okay, so I'll ask you a question, then you can ask me one, and so on. Any question I want? Any question you want. Okay. All right. Okay. My first question. Okay. As you get older, is it easier to manage your sevenness that doesn't serve you well? Um, so if one of the sevennesses, is that the right word? Sevennesses, that should be a word. Uh, one of the aspects of being a seven, which is probably least conducive for my overall, th- is the typical seven thing of only dealing with the good half of emotions. And so the, the other half we don't want to deal with. And having daughters uh, has opened me up to a level, level of vulnerability that has forced me to become aware of like the pain and the heartbreak because the old saying about being a parent is that you walk around constantly with your heart outside of your chest. And so that has forced me to be in touch with it more. Um, I, I had a, um, uh, a good friend of mine uh, and... Uh, guy who's a part of the same church as me uh, named Sean who uh, had a heart attack and passed away at the age of 46 and that was uh, two weeks ago mm. and so it first happens and I'm just shocked and so I'm just I just go into pastor mode like oh, I need to get somewhere and take this and do this and do that and maybe about an hour and a half two hours after things kind of somewhat calm down um, my wife had texted me and goes I- I'm also sorry that you lost a friend and up until then I hadn't really grieved as a friend and like it all just came out and then uh Josh Graves our mutual friend called me or we're talking he goes don't reframe this just let this be terrible and uh I think I'm it's easier for me to not reframe and just to sit in uh the other half of my emotions as I get older I think because I'm more aware of the tendencies that I have as a seven to run away from them Okay, I'm going to ask a follow-up question. Okay. Um, do you think that that has to do with being older? Or do you think it has to do with knowing the Enneagram and understanding that you reframe? Or both? You know, the, the, the trouble of people diagnosing themselves at the age of 40, when these are people who have done spiritual practices and been in uh intentional growth mode as a follower of Jesus uh, is that they don't go back to their motivation as a 20 year old. And so they've sometimes, some of us have just naturally grown in the ways that our number would tell us we need to grow. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think part of it is getting older, but I think for me, honestly, getting to know the Enneagram in the last, I don't know, five years or so has been immensely valuable for me. There's, there's nothing that's been more spiritually formative in the last five years than the Enneagram has been for me. It, it's given me a roadmap. It's given my wife and I language for, to communicate. So I, I don't think I would have had, um, whatever maturity I've gone through, I don't think I would have had it nearly as much without the Enneagram. So yeah, but uh, I'm a huge believer in what the Enneagram can do and has done. Yeah. You know, it's awfully hard to change things that you can't name. Yeah, exactly. And I I do think the Enneagram gives us that. And I've also met people who haven't outgrown immature stuff in their number. Mm-hmm. But I don't know whether or not they know the Enneagram. <laughs> you know, it, it may yeah. just be their way of being. All right, your turn. Yep. Okay. This is a question that I've wanted to ask you for a while, and I'm just going to get some free therapy out of this. Okay. Are you okay with that? Sure. You good with that? I am 
a seven, but I have always been uh, obsessively routined and scheduled. And I've had to become more comfortable with deviating from plans as I get older. And that still is not very easy for me. As a seven, that seems to be one of the biggest differences that I have than the stereotypical description of what a seven is. Any theories as to why? Sure. So, you know, uh, for listeners to know, in the organic movement that happens on the Enneagram, because it's a non-static system, sevens go to five in security and one in stress. Mm -hmm. And I've been saying for a long time that I think we learn new behavior from those moves. So if you are um, young and progressive in a denomination where you have to make your way as a progressive, even though you're a male, and you are uh, committed as you are to being a present and good father and husband, then there's a lot of stress that goes with that. You are a young man with a big church. And I think as you look back, you probably took on one behavior in stress, but I think you kept it because it works. Mm-hmm. And and ultimately, it meets your criteria because if you're organized and orderly, you can do more yeah, quicker for sure than if you're not. Yep. And you avoid the things that come with the other half of the emotional Spectrum, yeah. mm-hmm. right? You, yep. you have less pain and less negative stuff happen if you get everything done and get it done on time and then go play. Yep. I, I have this kind of extensive routine for how I write sermons and how they're mapped out, as many of us do. Wade does. He, he's got a great, I think I kind of borrowed my pattern from him. Wade Hodges, our mutual friend. Josh who's a three? Grace, who's a three? Yes, very successful three at that. Um, and I was describing it to someone about, okay, I do this and this day and this day. And they go, why do you do all that? And I go, because I never want to have a Saturday night having to write a sermon because that is so painful for me. And then I realized this entire thing is avoiding the pain of being unprepared and how that feels. That's right. And that's that's it. It's fascinating. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that's a very astute. I think I know that I go to one in stress and my wife is a one and she says, don't, don't, it's not a good way to live. Don't right. do it. Don't do it. And, and, and also, uh, sevens like extremes, you know, whatever the extreme is, you know, when I'm on college campuses, it's the young sevens who come up to me and ask questions like, uh, I was at Baylor teaching one day and a young seven came up to me, a guy, and he said, could you answer a, a non-anagram question for me? And I said, sure. He said, what do you think was worth being burned at the stake for? Okay. And I I thought, wow, um, that was a hard question. But it's um, Francis of Assisi kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. All one or all the other. Yep. Yep. All the way in. That's for sure. Uh, I've my uh, my binging 
food of choice is ice cream. There's okay. a shop in Denton that I love. It's got one particular flavor. Often when I go to the Metroplex, I will bring a cooler, buy a two and a half gallon box of this ice cream, freeze it and bring it home. And which is a, a very seven thing to do. Like I'm not just going to get one serving. I'm going to get enough servings for, uh, for a while. And when I bring this home, like I just can't stop eating it and I will eat it until it's gone every night. And I have to get a small, like the smallest spoon I can find to eat it with because I want to eat as much as possible. And there's almost this thing I have to tell myself of get the small spoon because you always want a bigger bite than what you really need. Oh, that's very good. That's a good spiritual practice right there. Just, yeah. I, just use that as a metaphor for so much, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. Is and it my turn? I, I think so. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Um, what is advantageous to you as a father? in being a seven and what are the disadvantages for you as a father in being a seven i think i can always make my daughters laugh no matter what's going on i have a way to have fun with them and they haven't outgrown that yet i assume one day they will and that will cause some uh deep dark moments of great uh, sorrow when I can't make them laugh incessantly at, mm-hmm. at my command. Um, and so I feel like that's, that's something I bring in, in my, so seven and one, my wife is a one, I'm a seven. I, I can always bring the fun and she will always be responsible and have everything prepared. And I think one of the benefits I bring is that, uh, also my ability to constantly reframe. I think that's the seven superpower. The threes walk into the room. They have the ability to figure out who they're supposed to be and, and, and change accordingly. I feel like I can see any situation and reframe it positively. So I think that's a, a strength of it. I think the weakness, um, I think adulting is hard for sevens. <laughs> <laughs> The, hard enough to give it a name. <laughs> yeah, adulting is just hard, and that's um, that's part of uh, maturity for seven is you have to adult a little bit harder. I'd have a follow up question again. Okay, you're doing great with these follow up questions. Yeah, um, since you are um, aware and and of reframing and naming it a superpower, I'm gonna challenge you to tell me what the downside of reframing is. Not sitting in it. Like, I I, want to spin everything into a positive, advantageous, fun, enjoyable experience. And it causes me to miss the moment. And sometimes things are just, they're just bad. And they need to be just bad. And I think always obsessing over making it a great moment and a happy moment and a celebratory moment, I think is disingenuous. And it's just okay to be... It's okay to be bored. It's okay uh, to be sad. It's okay to be crestfallen. It's okay to be disappointed by someone. It's okay to be hurt. Like these are things that don't naturally come to me. I have to tell myself this is part of the human experience. Embrace all of it. And one of the things that I find fascinating about Jesus is he was around people drinking so much that he was called a drunkard, which you can assume that means he was drinking some himself. But the only time in the gospels that Jesus turns down wine is when he's on the cross. The time that you could use wine to dull the negative experience. That's a very generous way to describe being crucified. But in the moment that it seems most appropriate to consume alcohol, to numb your pain, and that's when Jesus doesn't take it. And I think, I think that's spiritual maturity. 
Have you, has that been part of a sermon? That, if it hasn't been, it should be. I'm, That's good. I'm, I'm workshopping it for next week. That, there you go. It's good. You're going to get some good stuff. Okay, I that. can use that one. Okay. I think you good. should. So um, maybe I've just come up with a new spiritual practice for people or for sevens or a new spiritual awareness. Because you called it a superpower, I started thinking about Superman. Did you ever watch the old Superman on TV? Mm-hmm. Or have you only seen the new cool dude? I uh, like. Never mind. Which, that's the which one is which one is the old one? Never mind. So okay. it's black and white. It was in black. Yeah, and no, white. I'm out. I'm no, out. all right. So uh, Clark Kent was the first Superman, I think. Okay. He was the one I knew, and he, the guy who played him, and he had he worked at a newspaper, and yeah. he had to go find a place to change into his Superman suit. Mm-hmm. And in that show, you had to watch him find the place and change into the Superman suit. Mm-hmm. So I think one of my new things I'm going to offer, uh, particularly young sevens who are reframing really fast, is I'm going to suggest that you can't reframe any faster than it would take you to find a place to change into your Superman suit because it's a superpower. That mm. that you're going to see someday in print as a great spiritual practice for young sevens. Because you need to tell us that we need to go somewhere to do that. Cause all I need right now is my mind. My exactly. mind can do it like that. Exactly. You tell, go somewhere. Yeah. That's good. I'm, I'm looking forward to reading that. Yeah. Me too. Is that going to be in the new book? No, it won't be in this one. Cause this one's in, but maybe it's in? the next one. Yeah. You want to know? Okay. I just turned a book in two days ago. My first one. Yeah. And do you want to know the most seven thing about me? What is, I don't think this is a strong possibility, but I think there is still a chance that my editor is going to read through it today and go, this book is perfect. We're not going to do any revisions or notes. We're just going to publish it tomorrow. It's going to be in Barnes and Noble in a week. Uh, and it's going to be a bestseller. If that happens, you, you call me, you can ghostwrite my next one. Okay. We'll do. (laughs) We'll do. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Okay. Is it my turn to ask a question now? Uh, I think it is. Okay. Uh, you're a two. Have you told your listeners know that? That's oh not, sure. That's not breaking news. You're a two. If um, if I have a daughter who's a two, and obviously she's too young to determine what number she is, but if she turns out to be a two, what what is the message I'm needing to tell her right now? Well, the message that she's missing is that she's wanted. So you you need to always tell her how much you want her. Okay. But the message that I. I kind of wish I had been able to hear. It might have been offered to me as a child, and I didn't know it, but I I certainly didn't hear it. Or even as an adolescent or as a college student, I wish somebody had consistently given me the message that there's a good chance that the feelings I feel are not my own and that I'm really not responsible for other people's feelings. Hmm. So, you know, uh, in terms of twos, do you know that the hardest question anybody ever asks me is what do I feel or what do I need? Because I don't know. I feel other people's feelings and I really don't think it's okay for me to have my own needs. So I don't know the answer to those two questions. And don't you, that smile, that smile tells me that when you get to ask a question again, you're going to ask me what I feel or what I need. And I'm (laughs) telling you right now, I'll get you. If you do that, I know that's what you're thinking, isn't it? Okay. 
Okay. I played the fifth. I played the fifth. I played, All right. La- we did a staff retreat, and we've been introduced to the Enneagram. Many of us went to the conference you did at Westover, which was outstanding. And so the whole staff knows the Enneagram. We know our number. We have an awareness of it. I wouldn't say we have it mastered by any means. I don't have it mastered. Um, but so now we're using it in our conversation with each other, and it's been super helpful for us to understand one another. And so one of the questions that we asked was, what do we need to do as your coworkers to help you? And I asked the, one of our twos that, and her face was just horror. Like her face was contorted in this weird look. Like I don't know how to answer that question because I don't know what I, I don't know what I need. Absolutely. What I need is to help you. It is the hardest question, and I, I kind of think part of the reason it's so hard is because we don't know if we did figure out what we needed and ask for it how we would manage if we didn't get what we asked for. Mm-hmm. Hmm. How would you mean? Yeah. The, uh, so my podcast starts with this intro where uh, a friend of mine named Jennifer says, get ready for some awesome. And uh, she was a core member of the church we were part of in the Metroplex, her and her husband, uh, some of our, our, our dear fr- friends. And she was an actress and she does voiceovers. And I've always thought of her as a seven because every time I was around her, I thought, oh, she's got the same energy as me. Her husband, Tommy, he's a, uh, a firefighter. He has he's a one like my wife. And so the, like we thought we're we're symmetrical relationships, seven and one, seven and one. And she's learned the Enneagram. And she recently told me, I'm not a seven. I'm a two. And this whole time, I thought she was acting like me because we we're both sevens. But she's just being a two. Yeah. Yep. Just acting like you because she feels what you feel. That's crazy. And because she wants you to want her. So, you know, lots Mm -hmm. of uh, twos who are young or who haven't done much work will feign an interest in whatever you're interested in if they want to be in a relationship with you. Hmm. Like, you know, a young two might meet a race car driver and uh, go read everything about race car drivers and get a jacket with a race car driver number or logo on it you know what i mean it's like uh this is it's a relationship builder stuff yeah yeah that's good that's good all right is my question yeah i think so of all the numbers on the enneagram which one is the hardest for you to get along with um Well, you said in the conference that sevens and ones are a bad combination for relationships. So maybe that's my follow-up question as to why. Uh, Twos are great because they mirror me. Um, Threes, I've got a lot of friends who are threes. And if I lived in my heart, not my head, I think I probably would have been a three. So I get along with them fine. Uh, I go to five in health. Um... The fear of sixes, obviously, I'm in the fear triad, mm-hmm. and so I run away from it where there, a six is going to, you know, worst case scenario. I'm telling this like you don't know these things. Yeah, you're good. Uh, Keep talking. Um, you're processing verbally. Yeah, I am. I'm So I'm going through the numbers. So four is a good option because um, they're going to just sit in the other half. Like they need to they need to come to the, the bright side. I've, I've got a good friend of mine, Paul, who uh, he's a filmmaker and he does uh, work with uh, NGOs like uh, World Vision uh, and uh, Compassion International, those kind of places. And so he's in developing world, real just heartbreaking situations. Mm-hmm. And that's what he lives in. And so he'll send me pictures. Hey, this is this person who's breaking rocks for $2 a day in their 
two-year-old son is sitting on her lap, like that kind of stuff. And it, it seems like they're the mere opposite. Like they're the yang to my yin. And so that one doesn't naturally happen. Um, but I think that's one that offers me the most growth. Okay. What do you, what do you think of a, a, a seven and a certain number not getting along very well? Well, um, I think, it, you know, my deal is if you're healthy, you can get along with any number that's working on being healthy. So I, I would have a hard time saying that. But I, I would say this about sevens and ones. I, I think the, the uh, complexity of that inner voice that ones hear that sevens don't hear is what creates um, some of the challenge. Mm-hmm. Because seven's requirements are not all that high. Mm-mm. You know, sevens don't have extreme requirements for much of anything. And ones require uh, perfection in some areas of life. They require, and, and a seven's response to that would be imperfection is perfection. What do you mean by that? Well, things need to not be so so defined and so tight and so held down, right? Oh. Um, and I, I, but I think the reason I say that sevens and ones have trouble is because the voice in the head of the one always negative, always saying negative things about the one, and sevens experience the result of that without hearing the voice, and I think they don't know what to do with that. It's they, like, where does that come from? They experience the result of the one, Hearing the, the one's voice. critical voice. Right. Hmm. So it's like you're going along and everything's great. And then all of a sudden there's a change in the one. And it's because of this criticism that comes from an inner voice that nobody else hears except the one. And I think when there's a mood change that there's not an apparent reason for, sevens really struggle. Okay, what's your prescription for how to deal with that? Say, ask questions. Say to Lindsay, what what just happened? Did I do something? Is is it your voices? And you know, I really encourage ones who hear that constant critical voice to give it a name. So let's say that uh, Lindsay names her voice. I don't know. What's a terrible name for Lindsay? Uh, Gertrude. All right. So she names her voice Gertrude. So once Lindsay does that and you both know the name of the voice, then when there's that subtle change that you don't quite know what happened, you can say, is Gertrude talking to you? Hmm. And what she's saying? And would I agree? Hmm. And that's good for everybody. And the the other thing is, uh, ones are awfully hard on themselves. And the way they see the world is in looking for perfection and critiquing what's imperfect. And sevens have a hard time with uh, people who can't hear it's all good. Hmm. So sevens don't like to hear any, don't, don't do well when people can't say it's all good. And ones are always saying it's always bad. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's all good is very unlikely for a one to ever believe or say. 
And so you have to be very careful if you're a seven with a one that it's good enough. It's all good. We're great. Doesn't become patronizing. And you wouldn't mean for it to be, but yeah. sometimes it's received that way. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I think it's your question. Did I ask a question? I think I asked how sevens and ones. So I, are we back to your question now? Yeah, it's my turn. Okay. Go ahead. Um, what do you wish the world knew about sevens? Mm. I think the, the, the seeming trite answer is that, uh, that sevens aren't, don't take things seriously. And, you know, the, I think it's kind of a platitude to say, oh, the, you know, sevens don't have any depth to them. And I, I think there's a difference where uh, someone who doesn't take themselves seriously and someone who doesn't take their work seriously. Those That's are two different good things. Line. That's good. And I, I think I, I saw this on your any, uh, your Instagram page where I think someone was taking notes of one of your talks and drew it out. It was really cool. Uh, go follow Suzanne's to be on Instagram. But there is a thing about uh, sevens lead with joking. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that fair? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I humor. know I do. Sevens yeah. lead with humor. But just because you lead with something doesn't mean that's the end of you. Right. And just because you start the conversation with a laugh doesn't mean you're not going to get to something serious after. <laughs> so I, I think, yeah, just because someone can have a good time doesn't mean they also can have a serious time. Because I think sevens in their health go to five. And they they can be deep, critical thinkers. I mean, N.T. Wright is a seven. Um I think he's probably the most prominent theologian of our day. We could go with deep critical thinker, couldn't we? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I I think that's uh, in part due to what people want from sevens. You know, I often say that I I teach people who they're not Mm -hmm. and who they are is underneath all of that. And I think people don't want sevens really i don't i'm not sure they know it i think it's an unconscious desire but unconsciously i think people desire that sevens be upbeat and lighthearted and not serious and so um they they kind of encourage that yeah i think it's a selfish thing myself okay Um, i have another big question this is a big question it's not my turn but i'm gonna cheat you can it's do not my turn, but it's my podcast. <laughs> yeah. You're helping me by doing this, so thank you. Okay. Here's here's a big question. I know that we're uh, we're kind of breaking a podcast rule if we talk about uh, what's happening around us. So maybe we can be nonspecific and just say it's 2017. Mm-hmm. How are you dealing with all that's going on, all of the polarization, all of the anxiety, all of the anger, all of the devastation? How are you yeah. doing? How am I dealing with it? Yeah. Net- Netflix. That's how I'm dealing with it. Um, I run away from No. Um, <laughs> so the so day we wait, were- don't back off of that. Are you no, watching I- more Netflix than usual? No. Okay. No. No. Um I like I find myself really preoccupied with with stuff that I'm working on and I, but I don't I, that's not in uh, in response to what's going on in our culture right now like that's not it's just life stuff um 
So this morning there was a shooting in Las Vegas, the day that we're recording this, or last night, and 50 people were killed, 400 were injured, something like that. And uh, it's just depressing. Like this, this story keeps getting told over and over again. And like, is it's it just, everywhere? Oh, I've been busy all day, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, yeah, it it happened last night, and it's just disgusting. Like this, this keeps happening, and it's depressing that you keep seeing these stories of it's it's one thing after another, and it's um, you know one. You know, one unfortunate circumstance, one tragedy, and it's terrible responses, and it's talking past each other, and it's stuff that you you don't expect from leadership in a country to have being said, and and like there, that's just not what you think. And so, the natural response for me is to just disengage and to step away from it. And I, I had uh, this buddy invite me to this uh, like Facebook political discussion group and there's a zero percent chance i was ever going to participate in that like i i like the idea i like civil conversation and that's a really good thing but the idea of when i get home from work at night what i want to do is just get on facebook and argue with people about politics that sounds terrible to me and so the, the natural thing is just to step away from it but i don't think that's healthy but it's it's definitely there inside of me do you think that in part, it's uh, this is a bad way to ask a question, but I'm going to do it anyway. Do you, do you think that's in part because you don't think it would make any difference what you said? You know, Richard Rohr says that opinions are underdeveloped thinking, yeah. and I um, I kind of struggle with the fact that there are opinions everywhere. Everybody has an opinion. But if you start asking about everything, it seems, but if you start asking questions, it doesn't always go very deep. And I'm sure that's true for me, too. I I certainly don't think I'm above all of that. But I'm pretty concerned um, about the growing inability for us to hear somebody else's point of view. And sevens generally are interested in all points of view. Hmm. That, yeah. I mean, can you teach that? If you could teach other people to be interested in all points of view, what would that sound like? I think the idea of interesting everyone's point of view makes a lot of sense. I I've done a podcast. I think I'm at like 260 episodes, 270, and it's really because I wanted to to talk to people. I want to talk to people like you and get to know you and become friends and and learn what you have to say. And obviously, that's happened. And uh, recently, I had a um, there's a guy named Brian Zahn who's been on my podcast a few times. He's a pastor and he's a he's a four with a five wing, I bet. And so there's a Calvinist uh, who wrote this 11,000 word critique of his new book. And I thought, like, if you're going to spend that much time, I kind of want to know what's going on behind the scenes, assuming you're not a serial killer, which might be an option. I don't know if you write that much, maybe. Um, and so I had one podcast where this guy, uh, Derek, critiqued BZ's work. And the next one was BZ responding to this guy's critique of him. And I like the Calvinist guy, Derek, was great, like su- super humble and thoughtful and, and um, uh, just a, a good spirit. Brian was his usual good self. And I had a bunch of people respond afterwards. Like, I love that idea, like that form of people on both sides getting to share their opinions without it being a critique or not jumping in and trying to correct each other, but just listening and learning. And so hopefully, uh, you know, some of the stuff that I do online models that like, sure, 
I legitimately want to know why you're saying what you're saying, what's going on underneath. And I, and I think part of the reason that the podcast interview format is conducive for me is because I also get to do a 30 minute set where I do a monologue every week three times. And so I get to preach every Sunday, multiple times, and I feel like I get to express myself. And so I feel like there's also room just to listen and let other people talk. Sure. So I, I don't know how you balance that where people need to feel like they can express what they have to say, but not doing it all the time. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm about decided I've been really trying to pay attention to people talking to people. And I get to observe that a lot because I travel a lot. Yeah. And I've about decided that I, I think people have the thing they're already going to say. And it doesn't matter often. It doesn't matter how you respond because they're going to say the thing they always say. And it makes me wonder how we got to a place where our um, opinions, our thinking about things is so fragile that it can't be questioned. Um, that's a great question. I, I don't know how we've gotten that fragile. I don't know if it's... do you. You've been alive for maybe five or ten years longer than me. Um, <laughs> do you, that was very sweet. Thank you. You know, um, so you you sense progressively that people are softer these days than they used to be. Softer in the sense that you, when okay, when I was in high school, I was a wrestler, and uh, so the way it works is state is the last thing before that's district, before that it's sectionals, and so there is maybe. Just a handful of us that went from sectionals to district. And I was the one who was fattest, according to my coach. I mean, I was six pounds over the the weight limit that I was allowed to wrestle at the first day of the, the week before. And so what he did is like all the other five guys were done or however many. And he goes, Luke, you're the fattest one. And so for 15 minutes, my coach, who weighs at least 60 or 70 pounds more than me, just like beat me up and just give me an extra workout. And we finished. I was like, all right, good workout. And that's at the end of the day. I feel like today, like there would be a lawsuit and Coach Santini would be in the front of CNN or Fox News and he would be in handcuffs. And I thought that was just normal. Like he wasn't hurting me. He wasn't being malicious, but that was just what happens. And uh, I don't know. I, I'm not yeah. against. Per- Go ahead. I, I'm not. A, I'm not against participation trophies, but that seems to be the typical thing that people point to as the reason. I don't. I don't know what it is, but um, just listen to people. Don't take yourself so seriously. I don't know. Coach, you're you're a coach. What would you do? Um. Well, you know, um, I would never have gotten away with coaching in a high school the way my coach coached me. Yeah. I would I just wouldn't have gotten away with it. I don't know if that's good or bad, but but what I what I am beginning to believe is this. We got to figure out how to talk to each other again about things we disagree about. Yeah. And I think the people who can lead the way are sevens for two reasons. One, because they don't take themselves too seriously. They do take what they think seriously. Mm-hmm. But they don't take themselves too seriously. And secondly, because they can be, they can create a kind of a lightheartedness that sort of sets the table for other people not to take themselves too seriously. Yeah. yeah. I think there's, I think leadership makes a difference. And if you have people who are setting a tone that, can be welcoming. And this is, um, what is it? Erdwin Friedman's, uh, the well-differentiated leader. Yeah. Where like, but that you're, man's you're, brilliant. Yeah. I mean, he's onto something, but let's not live out of our, our worst anxieties, but let's be at peace with who we are. And so we can, 
not be so broken when someone disagrees with us. I'm all about it. All right. We're almost out of time. So okay. I'm gonna hopefully be able to end um, every episode of the Enneagram journey with uh, something that's kind of upbeat. Okay. And so um, the question is, what do you wish people knew about your number? Uh, what do I wish they knew? Hmm. I feel like they already know it. Like we're, we're the fun ones to be around. Like this is a uh, life's a party. We're the ones who are hosting it. Come to our party. We'll make it better. Um, <laughs> but there's sometimes I just want to sit in the corner and I don't want to emcee the party and I don't want to be the entertainment. I just want to sit in the corner and drink my non-alcoholic drink. I, I think the most important thing you said is that sometimes you just want to emcee the party that you want to be there, but you don't want to be responsible for everybody's mood. And I think we take advantage of sevens by making them responsible for the mood of everybody and by expecting them to um, to be funny and to be on and to be clever mm-hmm. and to be uh, cute. And I think uh, we've missed a lot. I agree. So I, I'm... Uh, really kind of crazy about the deep side of you and the light side of you. And I'm so glad that you helped me inaugurate the Enneagram journey. And I hope you'll uh, do this again sometime with me. Anytime. Anytime. I love it. Good work on this. I'm so excited. Thanks for all you've done. I feel like I'm a better husband because of you. I feel like I get along better with elders and my coworkers. And I can't thank you enough. Uh, I remember the first time I was listening to your Know Your Number series. I was in my kitchen in my house in the Metroplex and I was listening out loud and my wife walked in and goes, oh, that sounds good. That sounds right. And I think it's so true. It is good. It's right. So thank you for what you did. Thanks for letting me be on today. Thank you, friend. See ya. I'm so glad you joined us today. If you're still unsure about your Enneagram number, please visit lifeinthetrinityministry.com and use promo code Enneagram Journey for 25% off of the Road Back to You or the CD or MP3 of the Know Your Number workshop. Join us next week when my guest will be Peter McBean, a one, and his wife, Teresa, who's a counterphobic six. Hope you enjoyed listening today. And more than that, I hope it was helpful. It was great fun for me. Tell your friends and join us next week. Till then, practice compassion. The Enneagram Journey podcast is produced by Life in the Trinity Ministry. Music is provided by Solve Lighthouse. Professional photography is courtesy of Courtney Perry. We invite you to visit theenneagramjourney.org for more information, and we welcome your questions and comments. Thank you for being with us today.